Our scripture passage this morning is from Romans 12, 3 through 18. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does, does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Abby. And good morning, Lake Baldwin Church. Yeah, how do I follow something like that? <clears throat> Who here is worried about Bill and all of that helium that he consumed? Right, I am. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Well, let's quiet our hearts and take a moment uh, to bow our heads and pray. Our Heavenly Father, your son said, let the ch little children come to you. And Father, we're so grateful this morning to see all those little children in our midst and Lord, we want them to come to you. Uh, so we're thankful for them this morning. And we pray that you would go with them this year, this ministry year, as they get exposed to the good news of your son. And we pray that you would ignite their faith with as much energy as we saw this morning. And Father, we do thank you for your word. And we pray that this morning your word would not return void, but you would bear fruit in our lives. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're going to continue our vision engagement series this morning by looking at the marks of loving community. Now, a long, 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 long time ago, I had the very best sushi meal in my entire life. And this was in Japan. And the setting was I was out there for business. And I was meeting prospective business partners. Uh, but the unfortunate thing about this, what was unfortunate, is that this was before I had actually developed a taste for sushi, okay? So I was still beginning to get used to it. 
And we were at this business meal, uh, and they were showing us so much hospitality, right? The sushi and the sake were flowing, and the wallet was wide open, and they were pouring out this hospitality extravagantly upon us. Uh, and so this was interesting. During the course of the evening, uh, we were sitting at the bar there, and we had a number of sushi chefs that were attending us. And one in particular, I think he had his eyes on me, and he was noticing what I was eating, what I was not eating. And I was sort of picking at eating some of the fish, but I was not eating the giant raw prawns. And when I say giant, I mean, you know, these aren't just little itty-bitty shrimps. These, these were the, the largest prawns I've seen in my entire life. They were like mini lobsters with the head on and the tail and everything. And so, at some point uh, during the meal, the sushi chef, he does what I've never seen one do before. He reaches over the counter. He grabs a hold of that giant mini lobster, rips off the head, rips off the tail, cleans it up, puts it down back in front of me, and he kind of gestures to me. And <laughs> by that time, my colleagues and the prospective uh, clients have their attention is focused on me, and of course, I'm feeling obligated to do something about this. So what do I do? I put on the happy face, and I take that giant prawn, and I stuff it in. And that was probably a mistake, because he thought, okay, wow, he's going to do it. So he took another one, and he continued to do this, <laughs> preparing them for me. So the night went on and on, and I filled myself with raw fish and prawns. Well, we got ready to leave and um, to get our train tickets back. And unfortunately, again, another unfortunate thing about this story is we could not get um, seats in the right compartment of the train. We actually got seats in the smoking compartment, okay? Uh, and there was no seating. It was standing room only. So here I am on my way back to the hotel. It's dark, it's late, and I'm trying to steady myself like this. And the compartment's filling up with smoke, and my stomach is beginning to gurgle. And then, no, it didn't happen. It didn't, it didn't happen. <laughs> Thankfully, by the grace of God, it all stayed in there. Um, I tell you guys this story because this is an example of extravagant hospitality. But it's an example of hospitality with an agenda with an agenda, right? They opened up their wallets, they opened up their hearts to us, why? Because they wanted something in return. And so in our passage today, hospitality is actually one of the marks of loving community, one of the marks of genuine love. And so we're gonna unpack the marks of loving community under these three large headings today. We're gonna look at the fact that we are here for each other in loving community, we are real with each other in loving community, and in loving community, we are a counterculture. So let's look at that first point. We are here for each other. We see this in verses four through six. I'm gonna read it. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And I think you see what Paul is doing here. He's using an illustration. He is making an analogy 
between our human body and the body of Christ, the loving community of believers. Now, you know in your human body, you've got all sorts of different parts, right? Each with a different function, and not one part is insignificant. And if you're thinking that one of those parts is insignificant like your toe, I'm gonna remind you of the fabled story of Jack Daniels, the whiskey maker. Some of you may have heard of this uh, if you visited the place there. Uh, Word is, is that one morning he woke up super early and then he went to his office. I think that's actually his first mistake. If he's waking up that early, he should have went fishing, right? But he goes to the office. uh, He's trying to get into his personal safe. Uh, He's not able to and he gets frustrated. And so what does he do? He kicks the safe. And that results in his toe being broken. And because he broke his toe, an infection set in, and then gangrene set in, and then he had to have an amputation, and then his blood got infected, right? And so he basically died because he broke his toe, okay? No part of the body is insignificant. All parts of our body are important to the whole. That's the point that Paul is trying to make in this passage. So in loving community, we are here for each other. We all have a variety of gifts. We all have a variety of personalities and abilities, and it exists so that we can serve one another. And no gift is too small. There's actually a parallel passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, Paul makes the same analogy of the body, but there's something interesting in that passage that I wanted to bring to you This morning. And so we're going to look at this in verses 21 through 23. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. You see, in the body of Christ, in loving community, we are prone to think that there are certain people and maybe even certain gifts that are less valuable, and it's to our shame. Paul is trying to point out the false error in that thinking. And so what kinds of people or gifts might we think are not valuable? We might think little children, right? How are they serving us? How are they benefiting our body, our loving community? We might think the very old. We might think of the disabled. We might think of a person with autism. How are they benefiting our body? And our scripture is saying, no, don't think that way. They're not dispensable. They are indispensable. My nephew, Mac, uh, when he was 18 years old, uh, if you know Mac, he is, uh, he is a strong guy. He's a superb athlete, uh, gifted at any sport that there is. Um, he was in his senior year of high school, and uh, he was in the gym uh, working out, and he was on his way to University of Georgia, already got accepted. And while he was working out in the gym, he fell over, and he had a major brain bleed. And it caused him... Uh, not to be able to walk, not to be able to talk, not to be able to function very well. And he's been on this journey for many years of learning how to train himself to walk again, to talk again, to do certain things. 
Now, if you know my family, my extended family, we love to get together, play games, play sports, travel, do all sorts of things. And you might think that when Mac got incapacitated in that way, that it would have slowed us down. It would have caused us to wonder, well, what are we going to do now? But it didn't. It actually caused us to have to slow down and think about Mac himself. What is it he's going through? What are his struggles today? How can we serve him? What can we do to integrate him now into this family activity that we're doing? And so you may think of the loving community as the body of Christ, and we might have someone who's disabled in our midst, and you may be thinking the same thing. We are serving them. How are they benefiting the body? We're having to slow down and consider how to integrate them into the ministries. But maybe that's exactly it. That's the gift that our body needs. That's the indispensable gift that our body just might need. That's what Paul is saying here. And so God has placed all sorts of peoples, all sorts of gifts within our midst, and we're not to look down upon that. We're actually to look at it in God's way. The least are the greatest. They are here to benefit and serve the body, even though it may seem that we're serving them. Well, let's look at that second point of loving community. We are real with each other. We see this in verses 9 through 13. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Let your love be genuine. That word genuine and hypocritos in the Greek means we ought to be sincere. We ought to be without hypocrisy. Now, I think you guys know a hypocrite when you see one, right? They're just faking it. They're claiming one thing, but acting another way. They're a walking contradiction. And our scripture this morning is saying, don't be that way. Be genuine, be real in your love for one another. And in order to be real, we have to be authentic. We have to be who we are. We have to be saying to each other, yes, I am a work in progress. I have sin, I have issues, I have need of help. We're to be real with one another. Well, this past week, uh, during the August Prayer Initiative blogs, one of the blogs really caught my eye. Uh, and I wanted to read to you a snippet of what Greg Ressler wrote in that blog. He says this, one of the best decisions I have made was humbling myself and allowing for the possibility that there is strength in fellowship, strength in vulnerability, and strength in my weakness. God used people, yep, other losers like me, taking a page from dad, to show me his love for me, and that love during that season fundamentally changed me. I so appreciate how Greg is being real. He's being authentic. That's what real biblical community looks like. And so in those verses that I read to you, we're gonna unpack four ways that we are real or genuine 
in our love. Four ways. One, we hold to standards. We hold to standards. Secondly, we engage our emotions. Thirdly, we lift others up. And fourthly, we invite others in. Let's look at that first one. We hold to standards. If our love is genuine and real, we actually hold to standards. This is what it says in verse 9. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. So there are standards that actually guide our love. And when I say evil in my family or in my friends, that's not something I'm going to wink at. I'm not going to tolerate it. Right? And so sometimes the most loving thing that we can do to a person is say no. Sometimes the most loving thing we can do to a person is put up strong boundaries. Not allow them to get what they want. One of the hardest things uh, that I've had to do as a pastor is show up at a good friend's house and ask him to leave the house and not come back for a long time to leave his family, to leave his kids, and it was the most loving thing that I could do to him, and the most loving thing I can do for his wife and for his children. Because you see, genuine love is discerning. Genuine love holds to some sort of standard. Not like the world where we think that if we're loving someone, we let them have everything that they want. We let them do whatever they want. I think parents understand this really well, right? They're not gonna let their young child sit down in front of the TV for countless hours with a giant jug of ice cream consuming the whole thing. No, why not? Because love has standards. Love is discerning. Secondly, genuine love engages our emotions. We see this in verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. So if we are being real in our love for one another, it's going to engage our very heart, even our affections. Yeah. And it's going to look differently. It's going to look differently whether you're a guy or whether you're a girl or if you're from a different culture. It's going to look differently. And I heard a great illustration this past week of this brotherly type of love. You guys all know Scott Shiflett. He was just on the stage here and you know probably Brett Epps. Well, Brett had a cat named Chili. And some of you may have heard the story already. Chili the cat, and I'm, I'm wondering to myself, uh, why do you name your cat Chili? There's probably a whole story behind that. But Chili was lost recently because a coyote took Chili. And this really upset Scott. He was feeling for his brother. And he, what did he do? He cooked bacon, right? He cooked bacon. He didn't cook just any type of bacon. He cooked applewood smoked, cherry smoked bacon, and he bought it, brought it to Brett and tried to comfort him with bacon, right? <laughs> if I could only be loved with bacon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I gave them that hint. Think of me when you think of suffering. Bring the bacon. Um, some people are huggers, some people send notes, some people send gifts, and some people send bacon. But the point is that it engages our very emotions at the heart level. Thirdly, if our love is genuine, we lift others up. We see this in verse 10. Outdo one another in showing honor. And so when we show honor to someone else, we are calling out to them that they have great value. They have 
great value. What's the opposite of that? Tearing them down, tearing them down. You know, last week we looked at the definition, what we said is behind our value of loving community. I wanna bring out this phrase again. We said that the world is marked by competition, which is opposed to this. I spent 25 years in the corporate world, and what I can tell you for the most part is I didn't see people trying to outdo each other, overachieve in giving honor to one another. I saw people trying to outdo each other in getting honor for themselves. And so how do we, in loving community, honor one another? One of the ways is we recognize that each of us is uniquely created in God's image. Dr. Marvin Hardy of Grace Medical Home, and if you don't know about Grace Medical Home, it's one of our local partnerships. This is what he says. Those who are poor, yet created in God's image, are not receiving the same quality of health care as others of greater means. My position before God is no different than the patient I am serving. We are all in need of his grace and mercy. It's a wonderful work that they're doing there. You see how he is honoring and lifting up and calling out the image of God in these people who cannot afford health care, and that he's putting his words into action by serving them. Well, when our love is genuine, we hold to standards. We engage our emotions. We lift others up. And fourthly, we invite others in. We see this in verse 13. Seek to show hospitality. Seek to show hospitality. Not like the example I gave earlier where there is a self-serving agenda, but an agenda that seeks the good of the other one. Now, LBC has a great reputation in this regard. It's actually one of the things that Debbie and I, as we were thinking about Lake Baldwin Church, we heard about the hospitality, we experienced the hospitality. So I want to encourage you guys to continue. Continue to invite people out to lunch. Continue to invite them to your homes. Continue to invite them into the story of your lives. And if I, if I ask you today, and I've, and I've asked many of you already, how did you get to Lake Baldwin Church? This is what I've heard, actually. Someone invited me in. Someone invited me in. And they named the person. This is a story that I've heard over and over and over again. So I encourage you to continue in that. And this is what I'm convinced of. In our culture today, Probably one of the most effective ways that we can reach people who don't know the good news of Jesus Christ is to invite them in. Invite them into your life. Okay? And then the third point of loving community, the third mark, we are a real counterculture. We are a counterculture. We see this in verses 14 through 18. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 
Now, our loving community here at Lake Baldwin Church is not just inward focused. It has an outward face. Yes, we want to see the good news cast abroad into our city and the world. And when I say that we are a counterculture, I want you to understand that doesn't mean that we are in a culture war. We're not out there to fight the culture war. That's not what I'm saying. We are a counterculture in this way. The values that we have, they're radically different than the world around us. They're radically different. And so in these verses, I want us to see that we are a counterculture in three ways. Three ways, that we bless our enemies, we come alongside the lowly and the suffering, and we seek peace and harmony. So let's look at blessing our enemies. And so this is not how the world operates, right? When the world has enemies, what do they do? Well, they attack back. They tear them down. They try to eliminate their enemies. But this is not the way it's to be in God's kingdom, in his loving community. And so when I consider our loving community, I don't think we have people trying to take our Bibles away from us. I don't think we have people trying to shut down the operation of the church. But we might have people in our lives, right? Maybe that grouchy neighbor, the backstabbing coworker or the coworker that we don't seem to get along with. Or maybe there's that person in the left-hand lane that's driving way too slow, but we all have someone that's persecuting us in some sense. And how do we respond? I want us to take us back to the early church and look at Acts chapter seven. You don't have to flip there, but you can just write this uh, as a reference to look up later. I wanna look at the life of Stephen, the first martyr. And I wanna look at what he says when he was stoned, when people were picking up rocks and pummeling him and throwing them at him, what is it that he said? He cried out to the Lord. He said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And so if we follow the example of Stephen, how do we bless those who curse us? We pray for them. In fact, we go and pray that God would bless them. Because have you ever thought about this? That, that person at work that's causing you so much trouble, that neighbor that you just can't seem to get along with, maybe they're that way because they're not experiencing all of the blessings that you and I are readily experiencing. So they need the blessing of God poured out upon them. And so secondly, we should not speak evil of them. And you think of Stephen there being you know, rocks are hitting him and there is a great pile of rocks coming up and he could have cried out and cursed them, but he does not do that. And we in similar circumstances are tempted to curse our enemies, but I encourage you, don't speak evil of them. Don't attack them with your words. The second way that we are a counterculture is we come alongside the lowly and the suffering. And I, I feel so thankful that I'm a, a part of a church where I see this in action. I see Commission 127. I see Jobs Partnership. I see Grace Medical Home. Tangible ways where we have slowed down as a community. We have eyes on the situation. We see a need and we are engaged in that work. We come alongside the lowly and the suffering. And finally, the third way that we are counterculture is that we seek peace and we seek harmony. And I want to bring you back to that definition of loving community and pull out this phrase that the world is marked 
by division. And you guys all know that you sense that animosity, that angst, and it's a sad thing for us living in America today to be watching this. Right before our very eyes, our culture, our society is fracturing on every possible line. They're dividing in every possible way. And again, I want to take you back to the testimony of the early church in Acts chapter 2. This is what it said of that early community of believers in Acts 2.47, that they had favor with all people. They had favor with all people. Sounds like they were getting along with people. Sounds like more than that, people actually were happy that they were there in the community. And so the question for us is, does our community feel the same way about us? Are we building bridges? Are we garnering favor or are we creating division? Are we creating division by the things that are coming out of our mouth, by our social media posts, or are we building bridges with those around us? The gospel is the thing that's offensive. It's offensive because it calls us all sinners and in need of God. But let us not ever be accused of being the ones who are offensive ourselves, right? Let the gospel be offensive, but we should never be accused of being the offensive ones. It's a horrible thing for us to consider that we would be the offensive one and it's not the gospel that is convicting the hearts of men. And so I have this question for you this morning. If Lake Baldwin Church ceased to exist, stopped right away, would our community miss us? Where in our community would they miss us? It's something that we ought to be thinking about. Are we gaining favor in our community. Well, these marks of loving community, right, that we exist for one another, that we're real with one another, that we are a counterculture, these sound like great things. Sounds like a type of community that I would want to be involved in. But if we take a step back and consider all of the marks that we've talked about this morning, we have to be honest that we fail to do this many times, over and over and over again. So it's important for us to see that it's only Christ, it's only Christ who has genuine love, okay? He is the only one who was there for us, who is there for us. He's the one who says he will never leave us or forsake us. He is the one who pours out his heart, his whole being, all his emotions, all his affections in love for us. He is the standard of love because God is love. He is the one who lifts us up by himself being lifted up on the cross for us. And he is the one, the master of hospitality who invites all of us in, no personal selfish agenda, but he invites all of us in and all are welcome. No one is too small, no one is too insignificant for his loving community. And so we need to be grasped by the love of God. We need to have our hearts wrecked by this genuine love. And if his love wrecks our hearts, his love will transform our hearts and we will begin to bear these marks of loving community. And so my prayer is that may God through his Holy Spirit transform our hearts so that Lake Baldwin Church can give our city and the world a glimpse of what loving community is all about. Would you pray with me?
Heavenly Father, when we look at the cross, we see love poured out, full body, full emotions, every ounce of everything poured out for us so that we can be a community of loving people, so that we can bear the marks of your sons and daughters. And that's what we pray for this morning, that you would do your mighty work in transforming our hearts, making us more like your son so that we could indeed bear the marks of a loving community. It's something our community, our world desperately needs, and we ask for that in Christ's name. Amen.